Talk about just the the 12th man and 106,000 second largest crowd in the history. Let me of tell you the something. Stadium. That atmosphere and environment tonight. You don't want to play in that. Something wrong with you. That that right there. That that recruits and the people and the love. I mean that that that's as good environment and atmosphere as there is in college football, bar none. I don't care where it's at. Those people are behind you, and I'm thankful we won the game for them, and I mean that for our players, for everybody who believes in us, and our, especially our fans, though, because, listen, this, this place deserves a great football team. We're doing everything in our power to make it that way, and we're going to try to get it there. We've got a lot of work to do, and we're growing. But this, this fan base is tremendous, and the atmosphere and environment is the best in college football. Just how much have you seen him grow from that point, the first game he's played in, to tonight whenever he breaks the SEC record for a completion percentage over 30-plus attempts? Oh, he did, huh? Yeah. Well, good. That's what really good coaches do. They, they look at the personnel, and that's something that we've had to do as we learn this team early in the season. You know, where do we put the guys? What's the best fit? What's the best routes? What are the best things that, that we can do as a staff to put these guys in a, a situation they can be successful? And Coach Bobo has done a good job of that. Tyler, uh, Tyler Bailey a little bit there. He went for 294 yards today. Um, um, yeah, I guess he did go 294. I mean, he's a great player. I've been saying it for a long time. He's probably the best player that nobody's talking about. You know, he's really the engine that drives us. He's a competitor and showed it tonight. Oh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And, man, we've got a great show lined up. We just had some breaking news here in the SEC right before I hopped on the line. So we'll get to that in just a moment. We got a terrific interview coming up with my buddy Ty Richardson. He is an ESPN Arkansas radio host, covers everything Arkansas Razorbacks. You know, obviously, we're just going to go a deep dive on Sam Pittman and the team down there in Fayetteville this year and what's to come next season. So, looking forward to that. Really good interview. But before we get to that, just a little quick aside here. If you're watching on YouTube, you could probably tell already, but. Rearrange some of the helmets here. Suggestion from uh, Cousin Ollie, longtime listener. Thought it'd be kind of smart to organize some of the helmets a little bit better. We got Kentucky here in the number two slot. Kind of wanted to do that. And we've got the proper Missouri helmet down there. If you could see, it was hard to find that one, but I was a little embarrassed by the, the previous Missouri helmet we had down there. Now we got the official one. So, hey, we're looking good. We got all 14 plus Texas and Oklahoma, because they, they're coming before you know it. They'll be in the SEC, too. So uh, I just thought uh, I'd call attention to that, trying to give some other teams their due here for solid seasons. And, I, of course, I didn't want to mess with Arkansas and South Carolina down there dead center, two of our most loyal fan bases. So, hey, new set here, getting into the offseason. If you got any other ideas for improving the show, like Cousin Ollie, reach out to us all I'm always um, eager to to listen to ideas to make this show better because that's who we do it for. We do it for you guys. And if you got something that on your mind to make the show better, just let us know and we'll make it happen. Like I said, I was teasing it there. Big news here in the SEC, something we touched on this week because Stetson Bennett has made it official. He is returning for another season in Athens, the hero of the national championship game, the offensive MVP for the Bulldogs coming back for one more ride. And, you know, it's it's very interesting. Never in my life have I seen uh, a quarterback. And, you know, we shouldn't really maybe highlight a select few, but it's just wild that uh, a player of this caliber that has accomplished so much decides to return. 
and we got a portion of the fan base unhappy and maybe it had to do with the fact because you know that wasn't the only news receiver Jermaine Burton one of the go-to guys the deep threat for the Georgia Bulldogs he entered the transfer portal he is leaving Georgia and JT Daniels did that as well in the lead up to uh, Stetson Bennett's decision now obviously I think JT Daniels decision is probably closely related to the fact that Stetson Bennett is making the decision to come back don't know if Jermaine Burton's decision is tied to uh, Stetson Bennett or not but it's certainly you could argue that uh, Burton's he was a little banged up this year but uh, you know there were several other options there in the uh, Georgia offense that had top billing ahead of Burton so maybe that had something to do with it we'll get to that in just a second but you know now now it's on Stetson Bennett and I'm not going to sit here and trash him because I was one of the, among the many that doubted him and wondering where in the hell is JT Daniels? Why is he not out there? He gives us a higher ceiling. Now, with the defense, again, it's not going to be in shamblers or anything. We still got Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann. I mean, the defense is going to be strong next year in Athens. I don't care who they got. Whether casual fans know their names or not, they're going to put 11 quality players on the field, and they're probably going to be backed up by uh, – uh, some four and five stars next season in Athens. So the defense is going to be all right, but make no mistake, if Georgia's going to make it back to the SEC championship game, if Georgia's going to make it back to the college football playoff and for Dog Nation hopefully win another title, it's going to have to be because the offense, which was very, very efficient, you know, probably it's crazy to think the national champions, their offense could have been horribly underranked, but it was all season. They're going to have to take it up even more because they're not going to have this all-time defense to cover up any mistakes like we saw Stetson Bennett in the SEC championship game. That came back to haunt you. The Florida game, you know, was a slow one. Kentucky, slow one. I mean, these are games that uh, Stetson Bennett is going to have to win instead of, uh, you know, potentially getting in the way of a win next season for the Georgia Bulldogs. But you know, how can you do anything but root for the guy that's been doubted his entire career? We all know the story, but now he's coming back. And hell, who knows? I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, but you got to consider him among the uh, preseason candidates at the very least because he's coming back. He ain't coming back to go 8-4, and 9-3. and three. He's coming back to go undefeated, lead Georgia to a second national championship in a row. And with JT Daniels transferring out, it's undoubtedly – Stetson Bennett's team, he's the best option. I know they got a couple of five stars behind him. They got Carson Beck still on the roster. Who knows, they may add a, a transfer. I think with Stetson Bennett making the decision to return, they clearly, I think this is kind of what Stetson was alluding to. With you know, He's, he's got to put his trust in the coaches to, to back up their actions. And you know, I don't think they would guarantee him that uh, you know, he's going to be the starting quarterback. I don't think you... You make that proclamation even after a national champion. You got to make everybody earn it. But at the same time, you got to believe that uh, maybe what he was talking about was the fact that they're not going to bring in Caleb Williams or uh, some other elite quarterback to come in here and compete for the starting role. It's going to be the guys that are on the roster. At least that's my read on it. But, you know, after seeing so many people upset at this news, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him to take that next step in the development of his game because he played lights out for much of it. And, you know, I 
I've been one to credit Todd Munkin time and time again for, for what he showed this season in Athens. And if they keep Todd Munkin, which still no guarantee they will at this point, he may keep getting uh, offers from the NFL, but I'm not hearing anything imminent on that, that uh, if Todd Munkin returns, Stetson Bennett is going to have a solid year. And let's not make it out like he's got no players to throw the ball to. I know, you know, losing Burton sucks. He lost a couple of other guys already to the uh, portal this offseason in Athens. But you got Brock Bowers. I mean, he's All-American. You got A.D. Mitchell, one of the best freshmen in the entire country, not just the SEC. Lad McConkey. I mean, how great was he this year out of nowhere? You still got Darnell Washington, Dominique Blaylock. Arian Smith is still there. I mean, there's plenty of targets there in Athens. I'm more concerned, and, and it's not even a huge concern because you got bodies there, but the offensive line, what's that going to look like? You got uh, two NFL running backs off to the next level. So, you know, this is a great piece. This is great news for Georgia. And this was the big story. Now we'll just, uh, you know, I hope for his sake he doesn't tarnish his legacy. And anything we've seen on the field, I don't think that we will. And uh, this may get us even closer to Georgia-Alabama rematch in the National Championship game. But one quick thing I wanted to mention here with Jermaine Burton, as soon as he's hit the portal, speculation that uh, Alabama and LSU will be two of the candidates he would jump to. Of course, uh, Burton, he's a California native. Alabama completely rebuilding their receiving core with uh, the trio of uh, Jameson Williams, John Menchie, Slate Bolden off to the NFL. And we've got, if you follow recruiting, you probably know Jermaine Burton was committed to LSU, I, I believe he flipped on signing day to Georgia, obviously signed with the Bulldogs. Now his former receivers coach, Cortez Hankerton, is in Baton Rouge working for Brian Kelly. So, hey, do not be surprised if J Jermaine Burton sticks in the SEC, goes to uh, the west side of the division. But, hey, that'll just add a little bit more fuel to the fire if he goes to Alabama. And if he goes to LSU, they could certainly use him down there, I would think. And speaking of the Tigers, ooh, let's kick it all down to Baton Rouge because, man, the Tigers have just been on a heater here recently. Brian Kelly has got a ton of momentum there in Baton Rouge, his first, what's it been, a month or so on the job. And he's winning hearts and minds, it certainly seems like, because we've got a trio of defensive players committed to returning next season to play for Brian Kelly. Jay Ward, outstanding defensive back, 69 tackles, two interceptions, and a forced fumble last season. He will return instead of going to the NFL. Senior defensive end Ollie Gay, who was one of the, the better uh, pass rushers there for LSU, when healthy, he is returning for another season. That's huge. And senior linebacker Mika Bakerville, he is also back. He's played 40 games, over 170 tackles in his LSU career so hey great great news and that's before you know i teased it on the last episode some of these transfer portal additions and i think on the next episode we're going to do a little bit deeper dive on the transfer portal and how that's all shaken out but right now lsu if you go by uh, 24 7 sports they rate transfer portal classes now lsu's got the number one transfer portal class in the country and they've got more room to grow. And they just added the former Missouri 
lineman, Makai Wingo, who was an all-SEC freshman team. This is the guy that uh, his former high school coach is down here at LSU on the coaching staff now coaching defensive back. So Wingo was a really good get. They also land an interesting prospect here, former East Tennessee State offensive tackle, Tremont Shorts, who is an FCS All-American. He'll be down there. He'll be in Baton Rouge next season competing on the offensive line, and those are just some of the latest additions to the transfer portal for LSU. And that I'll run down the list here of some guys. They Some of these guys we've mentioned, some we have at offensive tackle. Miles Frazier from Florida International. Noah Kane is a name SEC fans that follow recruiting know from running back from Penn State. We've talked about Kyron Lacey, the Louisiana receiver, their, their go-to receiver last year. Linebacker West Weeks from Virginia. Uh, Louisiana defensive back Makai Garner. Cornerback, sorry, Razorbacks from Arkansas, Greg Brooks. And safety Joe Fouché, of course. Punter Jay Bramplett from Notre Dame. He was Notre Dame starting punter. And, they hell, they even got a long snapper down there, Slade Roy from East Carolina. So that is something that Brian Kelly talked about during the LSU bowl game against Kansas State. Let's kick it over to Brian Kelly's comments real quick. It's basically a play-by-play of what's happened. Uh, is my job, and we'll go to work on that, and we've been working on it. And when I get, uh, you know, obviously my chance to work with this football team in January when school begins, we'll set those standards. Well, you've had builds before with the transfer portal now, because you mentioned it. Like, this team was winning a national championship not long ago. With that new dynamic, does that change the element of the build? Does it make it harder, or is it easier? Well, in this instance, unfortunately, you know, from my perspective, I would love to build everything through your freshman class and develop your football team that way. But we are going to have to use the transfer portal. And, and this will have to be a transitional build this first year through the, transition, through the transfer portal. But moving forward, I want to build this football team through your freshman, um, you, obviously the freshman players that you bring in and you develop them. But we're going to have to use the transfer portal. So it is a little easier. So I just wanted to give this guy some credit because, you know, it's early in his tenure, but he's already doing what he said he would get done. I really attack this transfer portal. That's what you got to do. Uh, now, you, you shouldn't have to do it every year if you're LSU, but when you got a coaching change, similar like we're seeing Billy Napier down there in Gainesville, there's obviously going to be some attrition. So you attack this transfer portal. The Gators are also one of the best in the transfer portal right now. But, you know, this – Goes back to a last episode. If you missed it, check out our interview with Adam McClintock, a.k.a. the CFB professor. He loved these hires based on their track record. These guys know how to win at a high level everywhere they've been. And now they're starting to – it's very, very early. I understand that they haven't won a damn game in the SEC. But they're laying the foundation for what their programs are going to be. They're winning in recruiting both uh, at the high school level and more importantly for next season – in the transfer portal because they're landing players they are going to be immediate impact players next season, their first year. So, hey, if I'm an LSU fan, I'm pretty fired up about uh, recent events down in Baton Rouge. Now, last thing before we get to our interview with Ty Richardson, I just thought this was fantastic. We don't get enough home and homes. And uh, I've called Tennessee out a little bit here because still we're going neutral site with a couple series that uh, they have announced in recent history. But we're doing away with that. Really fun home-and-home here with Washington Huskies. Tennessee and Washington have never played in football. 
but uh, they just announced a home and home in 2029-2030. And interesting stat. Tennessee fans know this. Washington, I'm sure the same. Only two schools where you can pull up to the football stadium in a boat. So imagine Cousin Shane pulled up down there in Washington. Uh, be a long boat trip from East Tennessee, but he could make that trip. <laughs> it, it would be nothing finer than seeing uh, oh Cousin Shane from East Tennessee riding up to a boat in 2030. If we, I don't know if we'll still have boats by that date, but uh, if we do, Cousin Shane rolling up with a couple of silver bullets to Washington Stadium, what a sight that'd be. But I know he's fired up for that. Home and homes, that's the only way college football should do scheduling. So credit Tennessee for uh, not only scheduling this great road trip for these fans, but, uh, hey, Washington fans, you you got to believe Washington fans are going to be overjoyed to come to uh, Knoxville, a place they've never been to see a football game. So all in all, uh, a great home and home series. Credit Tennessee and uh, A.D. Danny White on that one. I love that. All right, so that's enough of me spieling. Let's kick it over to our interview with Ty Richardson, host of The Morning Rush on ESPN Arkansas Radio. All right, well, hey, we're pleased to be joined by Ty Richardson, proud Arkansas alum, and you know him as the host of The Morning Rush from 6 to 9 a.m. Monday to Friday on ESPN Arkansas Radio, and he's the host of the outstanding Trusting the Process pod. I was just on it myself. So I appreciate Ty for having me on the show, but you got to give him a follow at Ty Sports Radio on the Twitter machine. Ty, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate you. Mike, I was telling you before we popped on, I had a lot of fun kind of exploring your life. We went in depth for a little over an hour, and there were things I learned about you that I had no clue about. It's a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, man, I'm any, anytime you ask, I'm always willing to come on that SEC podcast. Really excited to talk all things Arkansas. Yeah, hey, nice, great plug right there. So don't forget to check out the uh, Trusting the Process pod. I was just on it. They have even better, way better guests than me, like Josh Pate was just on it. That was a terrific episode. So got to go and check out Ty's work there. But, uh, hey, man, I I got you on here for a reason. Wanted to talk some Arkansas football. And I'll just start with this one, man, and you can go wherever you want with it. But can you recall a time Arkansas – in general, the fan base more more or less, because I know you speak to these people on a daily basis. Can you remember a time they've been this fired up about a coach and just the direction of their football program under Sam Pittman? You'd have to go back to the Bobby Petrino era. I think Brett Bielema was close coming off the Texas Bowl win, coming off the Liberty Bowl win in 2015. But I, I think this surpasses that, because not only are you seen winning on the field, Mike, you're seeing winning off the field. And I know that you monitor a lot of different transfer portal stuff, recruiting rankings. Arkansas right now in the class of 2023 has a top five class. In the transfer portal rankings, they're in the top six for 2022. So a lot of things are going right off the field. And I don't know, when you look back at Bielema's tenure, kind of the latter part, and then Petrino's tenure, you didn't see that. You didn't see that same trajectory moving upwards recruiting-wise. I think that you're seeing it with Sam Pittman and his staff. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on Sam Pittman in this? Uh, you know, there's reports out there. I believe the, the deal that he is trying to get with his super agent, Jimmy Sexton, now seven years, $50 million, something like that. 
What what's your thoughts on that? Because I'm, you know, I'm not sitting here saying he's not worth every dollar you could throw at him because I think he's been outstanding. I've made the the argument that if you go back from the day Sam Pittman was hired to now, I think you can make the case he's been the best coach in the country. So again, I'm not saying don't pay the man, but I just find it interesting that you know he he's come here and he said it's not about the money and you know he's made it be known he doesn't want to coach anywhere else and now we're turning around and uh, you know he's wanting this mega mega contract and that's kind of the reason why he's there because he didn't want that to start out so I don't know I, I'm kind of all over the place with this question but what are your thoughts on Sam Pittman and his contract uh, request there? I think it's an interesting conundrum right because he's already been very vocal and I, I take him at his word that he wants to retire an Arkansas Razorback. He just renovated. He either renovated or bought a new lake house in Lake Hamilton, and actually not too far from where my buddy lives. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to go back this summer, and we might do somewhat of a drive-by. But, Ooh. Mike, you and I, yeah, not that not that type of drive-by, but you're sorry, a, 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 a boat-by or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But what, what I think needs to be mentioned here is what he said when asked about this is the reason he went the Sexton route is because Sexton has connections, not just to head coaches, but assistant coaches all over the place. And at Arkansas, anytime that you can add something to your repertoire, I think you'd do it. And he's not necessarily liked. I know he's, he is in Memphis now, but anytime you hear the name Jimmy Sexton, the connotation is typically not positive. Mm-hmm. It's negative. And then what my co-host Tommy referred to it as is, Jimmy Sexton basically came to the negotiating table with a shotgun and a contract and said, Hunter, you need to sign this or or else. And I think, Hunter, we haven't heard this officially. There hasn't been really anything since the last couple of weeks on this, but I would expect he's not going to wind up getting $7 million exact. I think it's going to be in the range of six-something, maybe some fatter incentives. Mike, when you think Arkansas, you don't think a consistent 10-with program. And I, I wish that wasn't the case, but Florida and Billy Napier getting over seven, Oklahoma paying Brent Vittables over seven, the Gators fans and the Oklahoma fans expect to win 10 games every single year and compete for national championships. Arkansas is more in that eight or nine win category, win the SEC West once every four years. You do that. You're going to stay a long while like Houston Nutt as long as you don't get on the back of a motorcycle with a blonde that works at the University of Arkansas. So I get it, man. He just brought Arkansas out of the ashes, out of the grave, and it's not like he was getting any sleep during this time. And he's earned respect from this entire state. But then at the same time, do you also couple with that, well, now should we expect 10 wins, Samson? we got to remember, Mike, this is now the third straight year they have the toughest schedule in all of college football. And this one this year, open up with Cincinnati. You take on Spencer Rattler in South Carolina, which looked like a decent game, except now the fact Shane Beamer's got that thing cooking. He brought in Rattler. Then you take on Missouri State and Bobby Vitrino, fourth game A&M, fifth game Alabama. You've got to go to BYU. You've got to play Hugh Freeze and Liberty. I mean, this thing is just brutal. So I get – his his rationale, I'm, I'm speaking to Sexton's trying to get this contract done, but at the same time, I, I think it's more in the sixth range where you're going to wind, wind up seeing Pittman being paid by Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a hot topic uh, that when players leaving and, and going to the transfer portal or maybe you lose a recruiting battle, you hear it. I'm not trying to call out Arkansas fans because it's basically anybody, but I have heard a lot of it in the last week or so 
NIL, it's hurting the Razorbacks. What's your opinion on that? Because uh, we know that uh, you know Arkansas has set up a whole NIL division, and the, the way I view it, I mean, I've seen quite a few of their guys get deals, and, and maybe that was just something people were complaining at the moment because guys were, were leaving the program, and since Arkansas has landed some big transfers too. So what's your overall read on how NIL is working for Arkansas? And you can rope basketball into this as well because I know – the Razorback fans, they love them some basketball, too. Mike, I think Flagship was the first NIL institution at any SEC school, and Flagship is the University of Arkansas's kind of NIL division. Um, all, Terry Prentice has done a good job heading that up. He's been in constant communication with us and other people. I think he does a fantastic job. I want to say the number that Hunter Yurchek put out is over a million, and that's across the board with all athletes. Now, when you hear the likes of Quinn Ewers getting the money he's doing, Bryce Young getting the money he's getting, you're wondering, hmm, how can Arkansas compete with that? And I don't think NIL was ever meant to be a recruiting tool like Texas A&M just used in the past recruiting cycle, and that's why there are people out there that think changes need to be had. But for Arkansas, I mean, we just read off the recruiting statistics. It doesn't seem to be hurting you. You just brought in Landon Jackson, four-star out of LSU, Jaden Hazelwood, former five-star, former number one wide receiver out of Georgia, was at Oklahoma. And then you've added some really good pieces in high school, not just in the 2022, but now 2023 recruiting class. Arkansas continues to move forward in recruiting. And money's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. These, I think a lot of these student-athletes are going to want to be compensated, especially if they're winning and especially if they're good. But relationships are a big deal. I always get asked, Mike, and you probably do as well, hey, Mike, when are you going to go national? Hey, Ty, when are you going to Bristol? Number one, they wouldn't have me. they probably have you. They wouldn't have me. But I have such a great relationship with my coworkers here. I love my job. And maybe there's more money out there. Maybe there's more pub. But relationships are a big deal to me. And they're a big deal to a lot of young men going through this process as well as their families. So you can't overlook the number one aspect of what Sam Pittman is to the University of Arkansas, and that's relationship-driven. As long as he is the head coach, as long as he doesn't uh, hit the back of Theo's like an old coach might have used to done, I've just heard that once or twice, then I think Arkansas is going to be solid on the recruiting trail. Never top five in, in the country, but, I mean, top 30, top 25, top 20, that's what we've seen the last three classes. Man, if this guy gets a top 10, they're going to want a statue of him built next to Frank Broyles next year. Now, what's your thoughts on, you know, we're basically living in a free agency time. I mean, Arkansas and LSU switching defensive backs, Joe Fouché, Greg Brooks, of course, to LSU, Dwight McLaughlin to Arkansas, and, and throw in Drew Sanders. It looks like the Razorbacks, uh, you know, are recruiting uh, former Georgia safety, Latravius Brini as well, would be a solid pickup to the, to the roster. But I don't know, just what's your overall thoughts on, on where we're at here and do you think Arkansas kind of came out, so to speak, on if you want to call this a trade, which it, it kind of looks like? I, we had that actually topic this week, and that's a great question, Mike, with Boucher and Brooks going to LSU. You bring in Jackson, you bring in McLaughlin. What I said is you lose two starters. Now, Brooks was starter in and out. Joe was a starter in the Southeastern Conference. But you gain guys that have a higher ceiling, I think, in Jackson and McLaughlin. And I'm not one of those guys that – once Brooks and Fouché left, oh, they didn't need him. Oh, they didn't do this. Oh, they didn't. Guys, well, they started in game. So, obviously, Arkansas needed them. 
this past season. But I think also you have to look at the eligibility and how many years with Jackson coming over, McGlother coming over mm-hmm. at underclassmen, and Fouché only having one more year. I think Brooks has two. That also has to be valued when factoring in the equation. If you want to say it's an even trade, I'm okay with that. If you want to say Arkansas won, I'm okay with that. If you want to say LSU won, I'm okay with that too. I don't really have a strong opinion on this until I actually see what takes place these next couple of years with Jackson and McGulther. Now, you know, I think super seniors, that really helped uh, Arkansas last season. Uh, I, I believe they had more seniors than anybody in the conference. And I, I think the next closest was Ole Miss. And, man, they just had their first 10-win season that, that they've ever had in the regular season. Maybe this is a way that, uh, you know, we obviously have the super seniors because of the COVID year. But, you know, I think we may have discovered a way, and I, I don't mean this to be disrespectful to Arkansas or Ole Miss or, or you know, the vast majority of college football, but I do think there is something to, to looking at Alabama and, and Georgia and Clemson and these teams that just – reel in all this elite talent and now all of a sudden if we're letting guys have you know fifth six years that seemed to have closed the gap a little bit in my opinion uh would you agree with that and and would you be in favor of the ncaa letting uh these schools you know have an extra year of eligibility because the way i look at it players and at alabama and georgia and maybe ohio state you want to throw it in there you know those guys are most of them want to be three into the NFL, whereas I think this could be a way to uh, just kind of close the gap, so to speak. Mike, I had never thought of that idea until you just brought it to the table. I love it. You know why? Because it would help Arkansas. Because mm-hmm. it was veterans versus talent this year. Right. You had the veterans of Arkansas who played the talent likes of LSU, played the talent likes of Georgia and Alabama. You came out victorious against LSU – you almost beat Alabama. You lost him by seven, and then you you did get clapped by Georgia. I was at that game, but we don't have to go over the destruction that took place in Sanford Stadium that day. I think that's a great idea. I, I'm going to be honest, man. I don't. I'm surprised there isn't more attention paid to it because we keep looking for parity in college football. And I know that Alabama and Georgia met in the national championship, and you say that, but I mean this is the. I hate, I hate saying weak because they still beat Georgia and still got to the national championship. This is the most blemished Alabama has looked in quite some time. And you got to go all the way back to 2014 when they lost in the college football playoff. I like, I like that idea. I like it a lot. You tell me where to sign the petition, I'll sign it, Mike. Yeah, because you know, some people have suggested, well, we, maybe we got to limit how many five stars these schools can recruit. I mean, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. But this is a, a way that I just think is is even across the board. So, hey, I'm, I'm hoping somebody's listed that uh, has the power to, to get that done. I think it'd be great. But, hey, you, we talked about Kendall Browse to open the show. Thoughts on the speculation that uh, Miami's after him and, and just how vital do you think it is that Arkansas keeps Kendall Browse given the progress of the offense? Uh, the, the big jump that K.J. Jefferson made this season. I, and I would even argue, you know, the, the performance of Felipe Franks two seasons ago, I attribute a lot of that to Kendall Browse and his system. Just thoughts on, on how imperative it is for Arkansas to keep their offensive coordinator. I think right before that you and I popped on, Jason Candle at Toledo had signed either a contract extension or decided that he's going to stay up there in Ohio. So, 
Mario Cristobal, I, I think, is in a situation where he really wants to find someone. And we've seen Kendall Bryles have success at FAU. We've seen him have somewhat of success at, at Florida State. And I know he's got Texas ties, but if I'm Mario Cristobal, I'm coming in after him. Now, vice versa, if you're Sam Pittman and you're Hunter Juracek, you can't let this guy go. The rapport, the chemistry, the combination of him and K.J. Jefferson was deadly the back half of the season. You can't allow – and I, I know you might see – you say, well, we can't pay. So you need to pay him because the back end and the success and the progress that we saw at the Arkansas quarterback position, not just under KJ, but Felipe, if you remember, had the highest single season percentage completion in Razorback history. I think it's a real thing. I think McMurphy's report that he's been offered offer the job is real. Now it's just Arkansas job. And I know it's easy to spend someone else's money, Mike, but I think the Razorback Foundation in Arkansas has to find a way to get it done to retain Kendall Bryles and keep him up in northwest Arkansas. Now, there were clearly so many highlights for the Razorbacks on the football field this season. Is is there one game, one memory, one story, anything like that that stands out to you, Ty, that you'll look back and, and that'll be the highlight of the season in your mind for uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks? You and I were talking about the Texas game last week, and the game that I attended that was the craziest was that game. But as a guy, Mike, that hates Texas A&M more than any university on the planet, when Arkansas finally overcame the Aggies down there in Jerry World, I was actually driving on my way to Kansas City for a Chiefs game that I had been invited to by a listener the next day, which they played the Los Angeles Chargers. Seeing Traylon Burks take that pass from KJ in stride and take it to the house, I almost wrecked us driving off the road. <laughs> it was, and that, that had to be that visual. We're watching. If you ever get it over to Kansas City, there's a place called the Peanut. And we're watching this game in the Peanut. There's Kansas fans and, Jay, and Kansas State fans all around us. There's one television that me, my buddy Ram, and his cousin had the game on. Mike, they almost tried to change the channel, and there was a Kansas fan that pointed to the waitress and said, ma'am, if you change the channel, that Razorback fan pointing at me is going to kill you because I'm not <laughs> kidding. I was screaming, writhing in pain when KJ went down. Malik did not look like he was the guy to be able to get it done. KJ comes back hampered, injured, and just refuses to lose that ball game. Monteric Brown has that incredible interception, and that's where we sit today. All right, last thing for you, Ty. I really appreciate all your time. What's the biggest storyline or maybe question mark you have for this Arkansas team heading into the spring that you would like to see answered, hopefully, uh, by the conclusion of spring practice? Hmm. That's a good question. They So you mentioned adding Drew Sanders. You mentioned adding McLeather. They still need some secondary and linebacker pieces and defensive line, particularly in the middle. You lose. Markel Utsi off this team last year, and John Ridgeway, who ended up being a godsend from Illinois State. I think that's the previous college he went to. You've got to add some dudes up the middle. This is a beefy league. We need meat. I'm talking double, triple cheeseburger type of guys, Mike. And Arkansas <laughs> doesn't have a lot of them right now. There's, if, if there's a Terrence Cody, if there's a Jordan Davis lying around, hey, make your way to Fayetteville, Arkansas, because that's going to be – uh, that is not going to be a strength of this defense in, in 2022 unless they start adding some pieces at that position group. Or there's just a guy that emerged that we we didn't see coming whatsoever. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I forgot one more thing because I'm, I'm not trying to piss you off or anything, but this is a question I always got to ask Arkansas people. Is Missouri, is that a rivalry, and, and how much do you hate uh, Drinkowitz? So Drink has this thing about irritating opposing fans and fan bases that <laughs> I kind of admire, but then he gets himself in a hole when he loses the games, right? Like Arkansas fans – where, when he said at SEC Media Days, well, I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that rivalry with Arkansas. We hadn't we had lost to them, and, you, and it's like, all right, well, you got clapped this year in Fayetteville, just destroyed. And I think there's a good chance that they're going to get beat in Columbia this next year, based on what Arkansas has coming to the table. And they they should have beat them last year, if not for defense just refusing to stop Connor Bazelak, which didn't make any sense because Bazelak couldn't do anything against them. This year, so drink gets on my nerves. Missouri as an institution, Mike. I think we talked about this a little bit. There's like the Northwestern guys, the Missouri guys, and the Syracuse guys. They're not all of them are bad. Like Bob Holt, if you didn't know this, he is a Missouri alum, mm-hmm. nicest human being on planet Earth. But for every one of Bob Holt, there's four. I mean, I can't name a specific person. There's four ch- chowderheads that you don't like that are too cocky and too arrogant, and that school, outside of Shakespeare's Pizza, Mike, there's not a lot of great things <laughs> happening in Columbia, Missouri. I'll tell you right now. Okay, great answer. I appreciate you not holding back. He's Ty Richardson. Give him a follow on Twitter, Ty Sports Radio. And don't forget to check out the morning show, The Morning Rush on ESPN Arkansas, 6 to 9 a.m., Monday to Friday, and Trusting the Process Pod. Ty, I really appreciate you. Mike, it's always Good to catch up. I love talking SEC football. we still got 230-some-odd days until the first game. But just like you, man, we're going to be uh, covering every step of the way. All right, so just want to say thanks again to Ty for joining the show. Really appreciate him giving us so much time talking about some Arkansas Razorbacks football. Trying to go the extra mile, try to make these podcasts as interesting as I can as long as we got content to talk about. So I hope everyone's appreciating going around the league, trying to get these interviews, trying to work on some others all across the SEC. Fingers crossed we'll have more of these to come. But I want to say thanks again, Ty, for joining the show. Really appreciate it. And who knows, maybe I'll get Cousin Shane back on the line one of these days. He's, He's on a little bit of a vacay there. So I do appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out, having to listen to me ramble on here. I know it's rough, but hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. And if, as always, if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind going that extra step, just giving us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app or the Spotify app now. If you don't have an Apple product, Spotify, you can give us a five-star there. And of course, as always, we give you a free beer koozie for each and every one of you that gives us that five-star written review or the five-star review on Spotify. And just send those on over to that SEC podcast at gmail.com and we'll send you the beer koozie of your choice free of charge. But that's going to do it. Get you on the next one.